It's April 4th, 2021, and welcome to episode 55 of the Big Metal Podcast. We gather in the podcast Discord server on alternate weeks to discuss news and thoughts on the past and future projects of Big Metal. We invite you to join us, whether you're a longtime fan or have only just arrived. I'm Paul, and I'm joined by Kevin. Hey, welcome back, everybody, and happy Yon Yon Day as we're recording. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, uh, and Maggie. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> That threw me for a loop, too, apparently. I had not actually um, <laughs> noticed that. <laughs> That's kind of cool. It didn't even occur, yeah. Yeah, Yon Yon Day. Usually we're, we're sort of like occupied by Fox Day, but, but uh, well, not this year. <laughs> I, to be honest, yeah. I probably would not have remembered had my Twitter feed not been completely filled with uh, Yon Yon Day in Japan time yesterday. Oh, I see. Ah, uh, got it. Enough. Got it. Yeah. So, uh, well, okay. So the the plan today, we had a plan. We had a we had a pretty good plan, actually. I think, which was that um, the episode that we recorded today was going to be a recap of all the all the you know elaborate stuff that we learned on Fox Day. Um, the elaborate stuff that we learned on Fox Day amounted to basically uh, four words. <laughs> so, uh, so we are now instead going to talk about the interviews. <laughs> but right. yeah, I guess. Uh, our, our Fox Day announcement was more complete. Ours was way better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a tad. <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord. I, I I I do have to say something though. We we have all lovingly found out that we did. There was someone who actually kind of fell for the joke, which is fantastic. But at the same time, I do have to make note that it says something for the like capability of the craziness of baby metal merch that someone would believe that they would actually release a metal detector. (laughs) 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 I mean, like, and a non-zero sum would buy it. That's uh, probably would. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it would be a really fun conversation starter. Why do you have a metal detector and why is it branded in black? Yeah. And what's with this huge beach umbrella? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah anyway yeah i guess that was yeah. uh, that was the downside perhaps of waiting until like the, very, the second to last sentence or whatever to <laughs> reveal you know what would be really fun if we have yeah. any uh if we have any artists that listen it'd be really funny if somebody had the time and inspiration to take our merch ideas and make a little scene with them yeah. a little beach scene with the umbrella up and the metal detector <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would yeah. be cute that would it be, would be cute. very nice but so okay so what actually happened was that it was actually kind of funny because you know we we of course recorded the the, our episode early um and we thought well okay so historically basically everything that has happened has happened at the end of fox day right so we you know Mm -hmm. we should be Mm -hmm. sort of safe if we if we put it out for the day ahead of it you know so we so we said all right well Mm -hmm. you know there's a tweet right at the very beginning of the day which is super unusual um, but then that actually happened. <laughs> so yeah. It, it made it seem a little yeah. more plausible, I guess. Yeah. We had yeah. we had this long discussion about, okay, when should we release this thing? Well, if something happened at midnight, let's give ourselves like two hours. So we'll schedule it for like 2 a.m. Japan time, which is like 10 a.m. here in the U.S. <laughs> and then sure enough, <laughs> there's a tweet right at 12.01 on Fox Day in Japan. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right, though. I think it did make ours seem more plausible. Because yeah. yeah. we were, we were mm-hmm. able to actually refer to that. <laughs> and, yeah. And I think I tweeted about that, actually. Like <laughs> You did. So... We're yep. scrambling or something to that effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a nice touch. <laughs> I appreciated it. <laughs> but yeah, so what we got um, was this tweet. Uh, it, it's it's a tweet. Well, okay, so it says uh, Stairway to Living Legend. And it shows, you know, sort of like a kind of like a stairway type graphic up to what is that design that's basically like the front of the arc. <laughs> um, and mm. that's it. That's all. I did. I didn't notice this. Somebody on Reddit noticed this. Did you notice there are mm. ten steps leading up to Living Legend, and there are ten Budokan uh-huh, shows? Interesting. So that means that uh, the Living Legend is actually yeah. beyond the tenth Budokan show, <laughs> right? It, I think that's a. I think that's a yep. good assumption. Yeah. Plausible. Yeah. But as with anything, speculation. As with anything, baby yeah. metal, you know, who knows? What, it just could be coincidence. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is, and a lot of people were obviously fairly disappointed in the fact that that's literally all we got for Fox Day. But I think part of it is, is that they had planned ahead of time for more intricate, cool things to happen in announcement form at Budokan. Mm -hmm. So I'm feeling that's kind of why they scheduled it, you know, to be beyond and i think that weird correlation between fox day being the way that it's supposed to be and budokan being the end of the 10 series i think that we should be expecting some really awesome stuff during budokan for the next two shows in the next few weeks that's just my assumption and that we'll get the true announcements then mm-hmm. yeah that's only what a week away until the first of the last Budokan shows. Was it 14th and 15th or 15th and 16th? Something like that. Either way, it's like 10 days. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's within a week. As we record. And, but, uh, but I mean, we knew this. Yeah. We all, everybody, like, you know, the team, everybody knew this was going to happen. Like, you know, it's not like this caught them by surprise. So, mm-hmm. so it's, right. you know, it's still a little frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think oh. it's important to remember, too, that. They can do whatever they want on that day, and our expectations are completely set by us, just based on precedent on what they've done in the Mm -hmm. past, right? It's not like they've committed, we're going to do something on Fox Day every year that's going to be cool Mm -hmm. and amazing. Well, yeah, except, but they they do, they participate. I mean, they hashtag things Fox Day and stuff, you know? They do. So. Right. uh, I mean, it's not not that long lived a day, right? I mean, I think, what was it, 2016 was the first one, Mm -hmm. I think? I think mm-hmm. last, last year, two years ago, mm-hmm. we, we like went over yeah. like what happened in past Fox days. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they started it because Metal Resistance came out that day or something. Yeah. Uh, this seemed actually, you know what this seemed more like was a New Year's Eve tweet. This is That's, that's the kind of thing that they would do then. <laughs> hmm. New, mm-hmm. new fiscal year Eve tweet. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> Well, also remember that that whole thing we t- discussed about the last time that they, them moving the the one membership from being the twentieth to the fifteenth, and I, like I said, think that is the last day. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like Budokan nine and ten are going to be something. Oh yeah, no, I think well, so. I think that 
it was almost a given. But uh, but I think that's true. That the thing we talked about last time, you know, the part that was actually real, <laughs> um, was uh, it was, was probably right. <laughs> yeah. You know, that they they moved they moved the opening of the effective date of the one back five days to correspond to when Budokan Ten ended. Mm-hmm. So there'll be something, and mm-hmm. it, presumably, actually, that's going to be what we would have expected on Fox Day, as you were saying. Exactly. So. Though it does really feel like there's a lot of a lot of what we do is you know just get announcements of things in the future, <laughs> which usually end mm-hmm. up being an, an, another announcement of another thing in the future. Right. <laughs> so uh, about the stairway to Living Legend, I mean, like, okay, so we have um, it. It seems like Stairway to X has got to be at least a sidelong reference to Stairway to Heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I think so. And we've seen this image before, actually. We've, or not, not this image exactly, but we've seen this concept um, in, I think it might have been in one of the Babynet Da 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 things, or maybe it's in the in the um, Budokan trailer. Where is that? You know what I'm talking about? It's yellow and you... I thought, it, yeah. And you, we sort uh, of, I thought they had some something like that in the Rock May Can stuff, too, I think. Or Rock May Con, however you say it. Interesting. Yeah. Anyone know? Yeah, I think it was yeah, it was the end of Rock Con. I think they referred to Living Legend. Oh well, no, actually, I, or something. I, legend. I was just meaning the the right? this gold ascent up a staircase. Oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then the new logo <laughs> episode. What I'm assuming is going to become an episode logo. We saw at the end of Rock Con. Okay. Boy, we really we yeah, we really know our stuff here on the, on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm blaming. Funny toss because my brain is fried from catching yeah, up okay. on translations over the last <laughs> couple <fair>. of days. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, so um, uh, it's unclear, obviously, what this means, and it's supposed to be unclear, I suppose, what it means. But yeah. you know, it's hashtagged living legend, so presumably these two words mm-hmm. have some bearing on what they're going to call the future. Um, something, I don't know what. I don't know what the, mm-hmm. I have no idea what this is going to refer to, but. Right. And, and also something I noticed is that uh, on the, the one website, they also made mention of metal resistance episode 10 again. It's not 11. Well, we're in 10. 10 is the last episode of metal resistance, correct? It's supposed mm-hmm. to be. So there won't be an 11. I- well, I, I, I mean, I realized that, but last year's thing was also see you in Metal Resistance episode 10, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> They're doing it again. Oh, I see. What, so what is the, actually, what does the one site say now? I mean, is there, because there usually is a countdown clock, but to it's what? It's a countdown. Yeah, it's the yeah. countdown. Because usually it says like, you know, countdown to something. Uh, see you in Metal Resistance episode 10. Yeah. You know what? It's possible. They are not being consistent. <laughs> That is always a possibility. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it's pretty well known they are not the best keeper of their domain. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> when, it, when it comes to web presence, oh. so well, well yeah, and, you're and, right. Uh, even even apart from any sort of like technical skills, I would say that uh, they're also not trying super hard for continuity. <laughs> you know, like right. <laughs> well, I mean, I I guess I've always yeah I've always. Uh, 
Yeah, you know, like all these lore videos and stuff. Sometimes people there's a spreadsheet, you know, where people have transcribed all of the all of the stuff that people have that has been written and you know tried to make some sort of coherent story out of it. But I've I've always believed that that is not that's missing the point entirely. That what you know, again back to my theory. But I mean, like that it's that this is basically just like lore shaped stuff. You know, it's kind of like this is what it kind of looks like the metal people are doing. So we're gonna do that, mm. and it doesn't all connect, and it and it kind of looks like it's written by a 15 year old <laughs> uh, but anyway yeah i don't know i don't know I, I i had also thought that we were expecting something post 10 and it does look like the so the shirt says uh you know now's the time to join the metal resistance right and and the thing says mm. you know metal resistance episode 10 starts in however many days so one thing that is interesting perhaps uh is that living legend so in katakawa we had um koba metal interviewed by this uh demon kaka guy who's from um what is it seikima 2 you guys know what i'm talking about nope nope oh come now all right (laughs) okay Seriously? All right. So uh, seriously, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. No, I mean I know that there was an interview of him in there. Okay. But so I, yeah. Okay. So we should uh, refer for, refer everybody, including the other members of this podcast, back to an earlier <laughs> podcast episode when we talked about this. But um, so uh, it's a uh, what is it? K, a visual K metal band. Um, the mm-hmm. lead singer is Demon Kaka, uh, and uh, oh, th- a oh, lot of okay. the lore stuff actually sort of has its origins in things that this um, this band did. I mean, like it it uh, in a sense. I don't know if this is something that that Koba kind of modeled himself after uh, because he liked it or because he thought that this is kind of like what people think of when they think of metal. You know, it's sort of like if you're gonna if you're mm-hmm. going to make a, a metal spoof, you you mock Kiss or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, in in the in the big Katakawa volume, um, that that lead singer who has since become kind of like a media personality and you know interviews people and stuff interviewed Koba, and that was published in the. Um, Mm-hmm. in the volume although i don't think we have a translation of that so but anyway uh where was i going with that i was going with that to the discography the studio albums from Sekima 2 uh start i don't know when they uh let's see here's this discography starts 1985 with uh something that i'm not going to try to pronounce and ends uh, october 1999 with living legend mm. So that's interesting, right? Yeah, that's a possibility. Some, something that we we okay. know that a lot of stuff has been modeled on had actually an album called Living Legend as their like farewell album. <laughs> so. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's about where I got with that. I'm like, all right. Hmm. Yeah. That's with everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it still doesn't add anything to the What's gonna happen? Well, actually, let me see. <laughs> What's going on? Let me see. Actually, let me see if I can find. Um, uh, I want to see if I can see what the cover looks like because I have a. Uh, yeah, like at the arranged around the bottom are the the members of the band, but like the large thing in the back is something that you know it's kind of it's kind of you know episode logo shaped. Boy, for a tweet right at midnight, we have sure spent a lot of time <laughs> dissecting it. Yeah. Well, but I mean, like you know. <laughs> 
we did get two bits of information. Well, I mean, Stairway. I don't know. I don't know what you make of Stairway, <laughs> but um, but Living Legend does mm-hmm. have does have uh, connections of the type that Koba likes, right? That's uh, true. So, yeah. Uh, and I should say, I mean, like, I, this is not something that I came up with. I mean, like, uh, this somebody posted about this on Reddit uh, as well, and I think uh, Kapanak on in the larger Discord mentioned it as well. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure, who, you know, where the source of all of this noticing is, but at any rate, uh, there are interesting connections. Maybe not something we can draw conclusions yeah. from, but. No, definitely not. <laughs> There's no conclusions to be brought from literally anything, but it's an awesome looking picture and neat keywords. And it's like, oh, what's the typical thing they say? Please look forward yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically what it ends up being. Please look to forward to the future. Although I think, you know, in the end, looking back, it'll make sense, right? I mean, it's not, it's not like it's just random. Oh, well, uh, yeah. We, we can't guess what's going to happen. Oh, no. But I think that there's something in mind. Oh, definitely. I mean, So it could be sure. connected to this, this uh, Sigma 2 thing in some way, but. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he also, Kobas may have picked up the fact that there are a lot of fans that will deep delve into pretty much anything. So any kind of metal reference he can probably bring into stuff that people can find, he'd probably be really happy about that. But that's just obviously an assumption. I don't know mm-hmm. Kuba. Oh yeah. No, well, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that, that uh, he knows that people, you know, do this. Right. Um, and, and, you know, mm-hmm, exactly. he likes to troll people. <laughs> so before we move on, I do want to mention um, Darth Thomas in our chat has done the complicated calculations on mm-hmm. the yep the one countdown timer it ends at 1 p.m april 15th jst which is the second or the 10th budokan show uh i would say there's there's probably my guess probably right is that they'll end the 10th show with some kind of video like they have in in the past with like an announcement of you know yep <laughs> disbanding or whatever it is <laughs> almost but, certainly okay so what's the next thing the next thing is um we have you know so we mentioned this before uh at some point in the past probably at the, probably in an episode that hasn't hit the feed yet but um the uh sakura gakuin also turned 10 <laughs> and so they released a 10-year anniversary book mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, th- I think actually in the one I was editing, we, uh, so like I think this has not hit the feed yet, but we were talking about how we think that all the Tenso shipments <laughs> were <laughs> delayed uh, relative to the other domestic shipments. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, they eventually mm-hmm. made it to uh, Kevin, at least. Yep. Not to me, but... The book is lovely. The only reason really worth bringing up, at least in the context of our show, is we do have messages from all members, past and present, of Baby Metal. Um, this marks the first time anyone has heard any words written, spoken telepathy from <laughs> Yui since she left the group um, several years ago. Wow. Um, you, so proof, proof of life, I suppose. You put it in that perspective and it just sounds so wrong. <laughs> several years. <laughs> several years. Like, yeah. Yep. Anyway. Um, as And, you know, as to be expected, there's no... There's nothing really you can learn from this other than, you know, what their favorite memory of being at Sakura Gakuen 
is their favorite song, things like that. It's a it's a lovely read. I don't know that it's really worth reading them all verbatim. Mm-hmm. Um, it's they're they're definitely representative of their, of their personalities. You know, Suze is a little aloof. Um, Moa's is pretty thought provoking and deep beyond her years, I suppose. <laughs> and Yui's yeah. is just kind of happy and reflective. So, yeah. yeah. So the structure of these was that they were they were all asked the same. What it is seven questions and. Correct. And yeah. Favorite memory. Yeah. Favorite memory while you're in Sakuragakuin. Uh, memories that make you laugh. Uh, favorite song. Uh, what would you tell yourself now if you were still in Sakuragakuin? Um, things you learned. Uh, what kind of super lady do you think you are? And a message to <laughs> Sakuragakuin for celebrating its 10th anniversary and to all the Fukaves who have supported the group. Mm-hmm. So it's it's lovely. It's a good read. There's translations of most of the grads' messages available and chunks of the book as well out there if you know where to look. So it's nice. Mm-hmm. It was a nice thing for them to do. And it was really cool to hear from graduates that nobody's heard anything from since they graduated. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think – and everybody was included, right? Everybody, all grads. Okay, Uh, let's see. So I guess we are basically at the point where we can start talking about the interviews. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes. Okay, so uh, basically, okay, so the the interviews, what we have um, are, we have a whole series of interviews, and they are pretty much entirely made available to us by a a specific team of translators. So... um, most of them are, well, nearly all the ones we'll talk about are um, put together by Stephen, uh, aka Funny Toss, and uh, with help from someone on Reddit called Capable Paramedic. And we have, um, there's one, there's actually one that Capable Paramedic did alone. I'm not sure we'll talk that much about that one. But um, anyway, so a huge thanks to these guys <laughs> for putting this together. Uh, okay, so there were a few. Well, actually, maybe one other thing I'll say is that these are collected together on um, Funny Toss's website, which are like mm-hmm. blog, um, which is at uh, stechen, s t e c h e n, blogspot.com. So um, if you wanted to sort of read these as they're posted or when new ones come up, that's the place to find them. Okay, so we had, you know, in, in response to the 10th year anniversary, there were a few different um, magazines that had a number of interviews in them. Uh, so PMC had mm-hmm. a couple with Sue Metal and Mo Metal, and then uh, with Mikiko, actually another one with Sue and Mo. <laughs> um, so so I, we have all of those to talk <laughs> about. And then there's uh, Hedoban 28 had one with, individually with Sue and with Moa. And I think that's it. Young Guitar has had a couple. Uh, in Young Guitar, we have actually one of the only Koba Metal interviews that we have available to us at the moment, which is kind of interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. And it yeah. was actually kind of cool. Yeah. So I guess we would start with the uh, with PMC Volume Eighteen, which is which is when? Uh, when is that? Uh, December twenty second, twenty twenty, is when it was published. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know when it, was, it may well have been in people's hands earlier than that. I don't know. But so, um, okay. The first one is PMC volume 18, Sue metal and Maul metal. 
the you know the, this sort of started off by talking about the uh, the European tour, um, and one thing that is a just a constant across any interview where they're asked about the European tour is that it was apparently very cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were. I was going to say most of the European tour, I think, was during it's a fall tour. Yeah, the fall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, February. Yeah, February to March. So fall in the sense of <laughs> late winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by fall, I meant late yeah. winter, of course. But uh, yeah, so yeah, that, that is pretty funny, actually. Um, that that is the thing that that uh, they seem to remember. She liked the people. Um, you know, so this is Sue talking, I guess, and you know, she she liked the people were were uh, shouting BMC along with the song, even though she thought people wouldn't know it. Um, perhaps. A little mm-hmm. bit of awareness that uh, like they hadn't <laughs> been given this song, <laughs> but yet they knew it anyway. Although, I, th- to be honest, it's not something that it's hard to pick up. I mean, you know, second time around, you know it's coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the most interesting part of Sue's part of this interview, well, I guess both of them, um, is we get a little bit of insight on how the how they had to adapt to having different musicians play behind them. Um, in, in an interview we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, I think Moa mentions it was kind of weird and difficult to adapt to live musicians mm-hmm. when they played with a comedy band for the first time all those years mm-hmm. ago. Um, so they kind of went through something like that similar um, on this tour because right. we had the uh, the commie of the West, mm-hmm. right? Um, who, you know, if, you, if you're musically inclined, you can definitely hear that they have a different interpretation on music. Mm-hmm. And while it might sound the same, you know, they do play it differently. And I'm sure as, you know, they hear it night in, night out, and they've gotten accustomed to the way the original comedy band played um i could see having how having to adapt would be an interesting challenge yeah yeah that was um, kind of interesting uh, where, where was this um the uh yeah <laughs> Mo, Mo, Mo metal says the western comedy sound, sounded like total chaos in my ear monitors at first <laughs> um right yeah and right a, a little bit of a backhand slate or whatever i don't know but uh the eastern commies would constantly adjust their playing to make it easier for us to dance while the western commies were new to baby metal music and so they just wanted to prove themselves and deliver their interpretation of the music in my uh notes about this i had trans- mm-hmm. uh, had sort of interpreted mm-hmm. that as uh they were kind of showing off <laughs> <laughs> fair enough as a musician myself i i can i can sympathize with wanting to prove yourself yeah. by going all in going the extra yeah. mile going that you know um, and I think that's that's kind of interesting that she says that because, you know, and again, one of the other interviews, I think Sue mentions mm-hmm. um, not being able to pace yeah. themselves in, during performances in their early years. Um, and I think it's kind of the shoes on the other foot now, right? Because they're complaining about basically a group of musicians <laughs> right. who aren't pacing themselves. They're just kind of going all in and making it their that's, own, right? I think I think that's funny. kind of ironic. Yeah. <laughs> Moss said at some point, um, we don't have that many songs on our discography and our set list doesn't really change significantly. To be honest, we're probably more surprised than anyone. People love us so much. <laughs> Which, uh, it, it is kind of true. It is, I mean, it, you know, it's kind of the same thing. And Sue followed that up by sort of talking about uh, how most of the overseas mm-hmm. performances mm-hmm. have fan cam recordings. Which is surprising when the songs are largely the same. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yep, it's true. Right. Well, I think I think what most people expect now, because as they've gotten older, it's been a little bit more relaxed during their performances that different like 
things tend to happen. You know, the interaction between Moa and Sue with the I don't can't remember what the actual thing's called, but when she's making the funny faces during oh, yeah. it gets an A, yeah. Mm. Or, you know, sometimes they'll look at each other like during Gimme Choco, you know, she always poking her in the cheek or Sue's get starting to give her looks now. And it's just it's it's kind of the more of the personality thing, I believe, is what we're all looking forward mm-hmm. to because they are a little bit more relaxed. They're they're, you know, a little bit more able to feel like they're having more fun. I mean, not that I don't think they'd ever had fun, but like they're adults and they're just like, you know what? We're doing this. <laughs> so so how, I, I guess I had sort of thought that much of that stuff went back kind of far. Like, I don't know when the, when the, you know, the first uh, ear pull or hango was certainly a big Fox festival. <laughs> it was, you know, it was by then. Well, it started, it was a, that started for them in Sacro Gakuin. It, so you mean in, in Magitsune? Because I think uh, uh, Gimme Chocolate well, didn't exist in that time, did it? Or did it? Well, I guess what I mean by that is that that's something that those performers did in their songs outside of Baby Metal too. So I think that just that was just kind of a bleed over when they started doing Baby Metal songs to have fun with it and they really couldn't that way. Oh, to try to crack each other up during performances, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I got you. Um, I think we've heard this we've heard this before, but I think it's always worth mentioning. They talk about Yui Metal in the same way they have in other interviews and how her leaving was kind of the catalyst and made them very reflective on what they wanted to do with Baby Metal going forward and to continue. Uh, okay, let's see. Sue at some point was talking about um, uh, kind of the idea of expanding uh, expanding her repertoire so that she doesn't want to have to sing the old songs in an adult way. She wants to be able to do sort of like both. You know, so as an expansion rather than a change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, it was, so we must have talked about this when um, mm-hmm. we saw the Rock on stream, because it was super obvious, actually, in, um, I don't know what it was, Doki Doki Morning or something, um, that it was just like singing like a little kid. Right. Which I guess mm-hmm. she's taking as a uh, uh, a positive. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, it's almost like a cover. Yeah. I guess I, I, guess I thought that at the time, too. It's, it's almost like they're covering their own song in a way at this point. It does kind of feel like that. Moa says at some point that she never watches the the videos alone, only when Sue's there. <laughs> Nobody ever asks in these interviews the follow up question, "Why?" <laughs> well, maybe maybe she watches them all the time, but Sue's always there. <laughs> I suppose that's possible. Um, uh, <laughs> One thing I do want to mention um, from this uh, interview is. Moa says when asked about uh, yeah. her favorite song, she says she's always going to answer BMC, which is not on her damn track list for her 10 Baby Metal Year edition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. But I think it, but she she actually did say, you know, I think, um, you know, the reason the reason is that it's a joke. Right. I mean, like that BMC sounds like PMC. And so and, and she yeah. made that joke before in there yeah. like the last time yeah. she, she really likes this joke mm-hmm. so she's just gonna stick with it you know yeah she's a um, run with it so <laughs> she did not make it easy to win that damn album no no yeah did we i, I don't know if we <laughs> talked about that already or not but um uh yeah so we as we speculated <laughs> um Koba's edition was just the straightforward track list of the main thing um so i you know <laughs> You know, I guess both Kevin and I got that for for that reason. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah. personally i love that i think it's hilarious yeah i know it's it is pretty great i i know some people are a little upset by that but i find it hysterical yeah i mean so i think and, and one one thing that you could say about that is that well you know this is a toys factory thing and Kobo has just said, I can't be bothered with this. Just <laughs> use the same list. But I, I, yeah, I already did this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, but I like it actually, the, the more sort of amusing perspective of it, where it's, it might have even been Kobo's idea, but, you know, he already went through this exercise. <laughs> uh, and, and as far as we know, nobody won Sue's and nobody knows what's on Sue's. And probably nobody ever, will ever know. <laughs> well, or somebody won Sue's and isn't a prolific. Social media user, yeah, it could be. Like, statistically, it's it's possible somebody won it, possibly, and just isn't a big like Twitter user. Yeah, although, uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, there were still a lot of possibilities, even when you only had like three choices for each of ten. Mm-hmm. So, nevertheless, there were definitely people who um, submitted a lot and got none. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess basically at the end, uh, they're they're just sort of. Um, talking a little bit about just having been sort of shut shut away, you know, kind of coming to realize that uh, playing live was something they had kind of been taking for granted. Mm-hmm. And uh, so mm-hmm. looking forward to, at that point, looking forward to the Budokan shows. Mm-hmm. See so. all the smiling faces again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the most important thing now is to stay healthy. So I hope everyone will wash their hands and gargle mouthwash. Sleep properly, eat properly, and stay well. So it's model. <laughs> nice. Perfect. At, at what point do we start referring to her as mom metal? <laughs> also, yeah. I mean, Moa... Don't, don't eat before dancing. Don't eat after dancing. I was going to say, Moa yeah, is so like funny. something like grandma in it already or something like that? Or am I getting the translations wrong here? Oh yeah, well there's there's um uh, I think that was sort of like her SG nickname or something like that it was something something kind of like uh, you know the yeah. old, old some sort of, some sort of like old grandpa right or something like that because it always seemed <laughs> like when I see saw something like like mechanically translated it always said grandma or something I, I might be misinterpreting it or something but <laughs> no that's pretty accurate yeah I think this had a lot to do with like you know she liked whatever to eat the like giant salty squid or whatever that only old people like mm-hmm. <laughs> she's, yeah she's an old lady uh, and in fact actually there's a uh, i don't know what this was one of these like halloween festival things um where like there are stills i don't think the i don't think there's a video of this but um uh, of her sort of dressed up in a halloween costume that involved like a bald cap <laughs> and you, you know what i'm talking about yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i but, do uh, so sort of like going going all in on that <laughs> joke. She has an awesome sense of humor. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, okay, so let's see. Maybe we should um, move on or we're going to be here all day. Yes. Um, at the, even though we're talking about this, you want to read it. I mean, like hopefully we're giving you, I don't know, motivation yeah. to go yeah. read these. But De- Definitely, definitely go check out uh steven's website yeah and if you Mm -hmm. can he does take donations in the form of coffee um i would definitely recommend throwing him a couple of bucks pizza it's pizza time (laughs) if you click pizza it actually says coffee okay (laughs) so we've been bamboozled (laughs) yeah the the pandemic has turned me into a coffee snob Uh i I have to admit that (laughs) oh boy i invested in the in in a whole nice you know drip setup and 
sourced beans that I grind my. Uh, yeah, nice. yeah. Yeah. No, I, I used to be like. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, I did that for a while. It was actually pretty, pretty nice. You know, like go get the beans and grind them, you know, right on the spot. And yeah. Yeah. But uh, all that, all that to say, go, go support yeah. Stephen. Funny right. toss. Yeah, the work they do because or pizza yeah. or what. it doesn't matter. Yeah, they have put so much time into translating this all into English um, mm-hmm. for us. And it's incredibly yeah. appreciated, and it's it's so. a lot of work. And translating mm-hmm. Japanese is not easy. No, it is not. A lot of nuances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyways, yep. on okay, to the next, next one. So the yes. next one in this uh, in this issue um, that we have, anyway. Uh, 10 video selections with Mikiko. Um, and the, so 10 video selections is actually mm-hmm. a, a theme for a couple of these interviews, which is basically just kind of like using the videos to refer back to points in the, in the history. So we'll start with Mikiko's, but there's also a, a mm-hmm. Sue and Moal one after that. So Mikiko, just in case there's anybody who doesn't know this, Mikiko is the choreographer, um, also the choreographer for perfume. And she has her own group uh, 11 play. And actually, she's you know done choreography for the Olympics and was going to do it for the she future one a, and you know isn't anymore. But yeah, yeah, she is a world class, top of her profession yeah. choreographer. In mm-hmm. she's really cool. And you're right; has been in the news recently. She actually just left the uh, she chore- she uh, choreographed the handover ceremony for the I guess that would have been 2016 Rio, yeah. Olympics Rio. Mm-hmm. in Rio. Um, mm-hmm. And was set to do the opening ceremony last year, which is now this year. Um, but for reasons not worth getting into on our show, uh, has left that project uh, and has kind of decided to take a little bit of time for herself because she was getting super stressed out. Yeah. Although, even though we don't need to talk really about the details, I would like to point out that she left. She It's not that uh, she couldn't handle it. <laughs> she left sort of under protest. It was... Right. It was it was uh because i've seen i've seen some kind of references to this like oh you know she was like it was too much stress and so she she left and that's not it at all it's um, i mean i'm sure it was stressful but it was because everybody else was an idiot <laughs> right <laughs> so, yeah. there's there's a lot of drama if you if you if you decide to read up on what's going on with the the summer games this year there's there's yeah. a lot of controversy and drama mm-hmm. not just because of the pandemic so yeah. I totally understand her decision to leave. Exactly. I but too. back to happier times. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah. Her um, the. Yeah. So I mean, basically, they just went through um, the individual you know, video things, which many of them are the music videos. But so she started. Uh, uh, they started with Headbanger. It was actually one of the first ones that I read. So basically for Headbanger, that was the first time You know, she actually originally had choreography all set up and stuff but i guess during like the production times you know of course the girls were really young so they'd be kind of playing around in between takes or whatever and they'd start dancing around and they'd be doing certain things and she'd see them and she'd be like oh that actually you know what let's try to use that instead of what i had planned so a lot of a lot of that was kind of some some choreography was done on the spot and she did incorporate some of the stuff that the girls did into the choreography, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Headbanger was where we got the ponytails and she was really kind of impressed by how everything looked as far as, you know, 
the how Sue's ponytail, ponytail went around and the twin tails, uh, how they flopped around whenever they did this head bang to side to side. And so that's when that came about. Um, yeah, I think I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. we, we kind of get the origin story of the side to side head bang. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is kind of interesting and something I never would have thought of or thought about is the visual aspect of their <laughs> hair going everywhere is what kind of played a leading role mm-hmm. in deciding to do the side to side headbang. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is a great yeah. and kind of unique visual that uh, mm-hmm. I, w- I would say the group is, you know, famous for now. Yeah, at this point, definitely. Well, I mean, if you're thinking about an actual headbang, depending on how you headbang, I guess. You don't really see your face most of the right. time when you're actually legitimately headbanging. So it makes sense to be able to do something that's still visually you can see everybody, but still, you know, mm-hmm. have another visual on top of that. Yeah, it's definitely a different, a really mm-hmm. cool inter- interpretation. And actually what's funny is, <laughs> is I've caught my, even like myself at other like rock and metal concerts, like if I'm enjoying something, instead of instead of being like, yeah, headbang, I bought my head side to side. <laughs> so it's definitely a pickup, and I'm like, oh, this is like, how are you? Why? Why are you doing that? It's like, oh, it's baby metal, but you know, this is how I do it now. That is, yeah, that's, that's an interesting. Uh, I the observation about the uh, like keeping their face in in view. Um, because it's, I imagine these are entertainers. You know, they're they're. Um, I mean, the people around with the production team are entertainers, right? And they're they're trying for a particular thing, and so mm-hmm. that I'm sure was actually on their mind a little bit. I mean, it's a little bit like masking everybody except the people you're focusing on, right? Um, so not to pull attention away, and just like you know, you're mm-hmm. trying to you're trying to develop this talent and make them give them a brand and people's people's mm-hmm. you know minds so so mm-hmm. obviously if all you're seeing is the top of their head and their hair flailing around then that's not that's not getting you toward your goal uh continuing on the the doki doki morning one apparent was shot in a really cramped place um and they had that was their first time really having to deal with metal versus pop and stuff so i guess koba was just kind of giving them advice and they were just like huh (laughs) um and they had to adapt a choreography again um and i guess it was so cramped that when they fell down do the side fall they had to like adjust themselves (laughs) because it was so cramped yeah i didn't quite understand that that came up a couple times was it i think it was uh with sue and Moa when they were talking about this that they that they Mm -hmm. it said they had to land Vertically, I didn't understand even what that even meant. <laughs> Parallel to well, the wall. Because- so the, the stage, if you watch the Doki Nomoki morning video, it's tiny. And Mo has talked about before, you know, reflecting on that video, how she had to kind of move herself so she wouldn't like flail into the little table and plant behind her on the yeah, set. Yeah, apparently the flower got, yeah. was, a, was a frequent casualty. <laughs> right. The flower was a frequent casualty. So, you know, they have uh, in that part of the choreography where they all fall asleep. Yeah. When they do it on stage, it's kind of parallel to the barrier uh, exactly right yep. so they're side on and if you watch in the video they kind of do that at a really acute angle towards the camera and and, and what they're what they're saying is they had to do that because the room was tiny okay that makes sense and but actually that's also like the dvd and cd cover too because in that they're also right. sort mm-hmm. of oriented in that same way mm-hmm. right oh yeah actually there's one thing i was going to 
going to say that. Okay, I, I think you, you mentioned this, but just uh, uh, they did at, at the end of one of the paragraphs, uh, Mikiko said, and Koba Metal, who knows a lot about metal, gave us all plenty of advice. Laughs. Which I can just imagine. That's like, that's like you know, Koba saying, no, no. <laughs> no, no, not that. Do this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I I do kind of. It does sort of feel like that's an inside joke from Mikiko to herself <laughs> about the plenty of advice. <laughs> yeah, because she. I mean, because she said that was even kind of like her introduction to metal as mm-hmm. well. Was that whole entire Doki Doki morning? Yeah. So she was just like, mm, okay, <laughs> I'll do what I can. <laughs> Um, so they talked about Legend 99 and 97, just kind of, you know, realizing, you know, how they have to kind of sometimes act like actresses and stuff on stage for the lore stories and stuff like that. Because didn't they, was Avi Maria that part of 99 and 97? I think it was in that show, yes. one of those shows. Okay. Yeah, because but- I know they had to like be all like stoic. So they were coming across the stage, you know, all in their white outfits with the candles and things. And, you know, that was the first time they really felt that they had to be actors and stuff. So that was that. Um, Budokan, uh, Mikiko realized that they were not a passing fad. Um, the venue was really sacred to her. Wembley, which was, this is this is interesting. Like, and I guess I didn't really realize this either until I read the, the article, but like, they felt that something was missing. Yeah, we touched on this in, oh gosh, which one was it? It was an interview we've covered on the show before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we learned that uh, maybe it was part of, it might have been part the, of the tenure. Yeah, it might have been the Katakawa where they mentioned this. Mm-hmm. Mo and Yui in particular felt that they were sad after Wembley um, yeah. to the point that they were almost in tears yeah. uh, when they were done. And not not like happy tears, like we just did a really cool thing. Um, and I remember we discussed and tried to figure out why nobody, nobody, they didn't say why they didn't give us any hints as to why. So there was a lot of speculation around that. Um, and, and Mikiko mentions it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we get a little bit of insight as to why they were feeling that way, which I think is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll just read the quote. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a good thing that the girls themselves felt something was missing and that they could do more without indulging in a sense of satisfaction or accomplishment. So it, it was just that they thought they could have done a better job. And I think that's just reflective of the incredibly high standards that they hold themselves to because the Wembley show is pretty good. You know, I, oh, yeah. I, think, awesome. I think from anybody on the outside looking in, they crushed it. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, they just they thought they could have done better. And that's why they were upset, mm-hmm. which I, I think it's pretty interesting and mm-hmm. kind of shows their maturity as artists already by that point. Yeah. Even at 16. <laughs> it seemed like actually, oh, so, so the interpretation that uh, the, the translators note interpretation there was, was that um, it's possible that part of this was just that they were not quite, they weren't quite getting what they expected out of the crowd uh, at, at Wembley that mm-hmm. this was mm-hmm. a, you know, it was not a Japanese crowd and it was not, doing what they had kind of expected. Mm-hmm. And so it, it wasn't, you know, it led to a feeling of that they were not, they were not doing the right thing because the crowd was not responding in the right way. Um, so it might not have been that they thought that there was a, an actual problem. Exactly. It's just that like, you know, the, the, uh, it was, it was a bit of a, it deflated, it deflated them a little bit from where they, they had felt like they were. Yeah. I don't think they think that there was a problem. 
Yeah, because if you're at the because in in the UK for their what 2015 tour, 2014 or or something, where were they? The O2 Brixton was it Brixton? Mm-hmm. That sounds I right. Think? Yeah. So I mean, that's not like a it's not a small venue, but it's not a large venue. So you're able to kind of you're able to really gauge you know, your stage and you can see a little bit more, whereas, you know, the bigger arenas, of course, you know, it's a little harder because there's, it's a wide, wide group and wide, you know, to take in that lot is, is, is a lot. Just, just going back one, one step to uh, Budokan, um, Mikiko mentioned, uh, you know, that this, the venue felt sacred and that's actually, uh, th- that came up, uh, I think also in, and uh, Sue and Mo's as well, that there's this kind of like, you know, sacred space. And Mikiko says it sort of like, it. Uh, the way I paraphrased it was, uh, it tests your sincerity as an artist. You know, that, mm. that like, you know, you, you really can only, uh, uh, you can only survive it if you, if you are genuine, <laughs> basically. Mm. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting. It, it's, it was clearly a very big deal. Mm-hmm. What's well, a, it's a world-renowned venue. Yeah. Well, that too, yeah. But I think also part of it too is because of the way that the stage has to be set up, you have to, you're dead center. Yeah. Like, you could either set it up as an actual just, you know, a stage stage in the backside or, you, you know, at, at normal venues. But in the Budokan, you have to center it. There's like no getting around it. Mm-hmm. So it's true. all, it's a 360, you I've know, experience. So There's there is... Yeah, there's lots of stages I've seen that just kind of cut the back half off mm-hmm. in there okay. and, and do it traditionally. I see. Okay. Uh, but I, I do think a lot, you're right, a lot of them, a lot of artists do tend to favor some sort of 360 stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that and made a big impression is, on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the, you know, they, they commented on this a lot throughout all these interviews that, like, mm-hmm. that, was a, that was one of the weird things about this is that, like, you know, there's an audience everywhere you look. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you're getting the 360 experience, mm-hmm. <laughs> IMAX experience in the Budokan. I think, I think my takeaway my take from Mikiko talking about shows is that she actually goes to most of them. Mm-hmm. I think she only mentions missing um, one, and that was Tokyo Dome because she was in Rio for the Olympics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, every other show she mentions, she attended, whether it was overseas or not, not, not counting tiny shows mm-hmm. like the U.S. Mm-hmm. tours and things like that. I think she did say um, that I think that's pretty some cool. of the later ones she she was uh, sort of less present at at the rehearsals. Um, I think she said something mm-hmm. about that, but um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did mention she did watch the Tokyo Dome performance uh-huh. after the fact. So I think it's cool that she's just involved like that because she's, you know, like we mentioned, a, a kind of a big deal yeah. and doing a lot of big projects like the Olympics, um, but still makes the time to catch up on what her groups are doing. Mm-hmm. She's probably very just proud of the, the well, obviously it's her work, but she's probably has a lot of pride behind all the girls that are involved too, you know, kind of a semi mom figure, I guess you could say. Yeah, I'm sure. I think it is kind of interesting that they're, um, she, she doesn't come across as, as deeply connected as, as I might've thought. I mean, like, you know, she, she mm-hmm. clearly participated, you know, she worked with this was part of her job, you know, she did this stuff and she's kind of, you know, she's interested to see how things are progressing, but she does not come across as making it sound like it's hers in any way. Yeah, like, exactly. Mm-hmm. There you go. So, so that's also sort of interesting. Very it's humble. it's a weird, it's a mm-hmm. weird sort of intermediate distance <laughs> that she's at. I think that mm-hmm. part of that's cultural for sure. Mm-hmm. 
you know, for the for the group. She's not doing it for herself. She's contributing to the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we can continue mm-hmm. on here. Uh, so, yeah, as we mentioned before, she wasn't able to be at Tokyo Dome, but she was able to see that. So uh, apparently there was a her co-choreographer helper person, um, you know, was telling her, oh, hey, the girls are doing great. This is awesome. And she got to see like a video of them actually performing, like practice performing on stage. And she realized that, you know, it was like, oh, this is going to be really cool. This is going to be awesome. Um, of course, Legend S we're all very aware of. Or for those who do not, of course, this is the first time Yui was missing because um, of health or for whatever reason it may have been. But it was an unexpected absence. I mean, that, that was the that was one thing that she pointed out. That like Mikiko says, this was uh, the first time she'd actually experienced like suddenly somebody not be not being there, um, like unexpectedly, in any of the groups that she's involved in. Mm-hmm. But there was obviously a lot of nervousness and you know behind that. But she was kind of happy that it ended up being the way that it did. Um, then jumping all the way up to the forum. Um, you know, she kind of started realizing that, you know, they were more grown up. Uh, she was kind of changing the way that she was presenting the choreography. Um, because she realized, I guess, through Chosen Seven era that they were actually starting to kind of work a little harder in that respect. Um, so she was actually like purposely changing the way that she was presenting choreography to try to get them to work through them being going from teenage to adulthood, um, which I thought was really cool coming from a choreographer's perspective. I, I mean, I'm not like fully involved in dance, but I know a lot of those technical things. And, and that's that's a, was a really kind of a cool way of going about it, I thought. Uh, ben brings up uh, Legend Metal Galaxy. That was obviously the first time that all the Avengers were a part of that, too. Spoiler alert. Um, (laughs) And so she was really happy to see everybody on stage at the same time. And it kind of gave her, like, we're like, we're back. We're in this. This is still baby metal. This is great. Um, She also brings up BMC because after, obviously, LMG, that's BMC had come out as a single. She said it was kind of cool to see them do their own thing they seemed like they were kind of relaxed while they were doing it but it was kind of difficult because it was a rap metal what she called a metal cipher so she said that was a little difficult in trying to get everything choreographed for that but the girls seemed to have seemed to have enjoyed it i think maybe the at least what my interpretation of what uh, she was saying about what was difficult about bmc is that uh, a lot of the choreography that mikiko produces you know actually sort of relates to the lyrics you know that, that you know that there's an interpretation of what the song is actually saying but of mm-hmm. course in bmc it's like nonsense <laughs> so so what makes it sort of difficult to figure out is like right. how, how do you how do you uh relate to those lyrics mm-hmm. yeah oh, okay I, yeah that you're you're right on that she has mentioned that before that it's more lyrical than musical so while we're kind of at the end of hers um, one thing she mentions is how she's adapting, you know, and this kind of goes on with what Maggie was just saying, um, how she's been adapting the choreography and how they've been adapting the choreography as they've grown older. Um, you know, referencing, you know, how it needs to change because, you know, they're adults now and they have, they're stronger. They have an adult's body, not a kid's body anymore. Um, and funny toss, if you're still here, I have a question. I, I know what this means. 
but I have a question about the translation. The interviewer mentions, you know, there are times when movements you could do as a child without thinking about it suddenly become a bit confusing. Uh, Mikiko says, that's exactly it. They need to gain different types of muscular strength and strengthen their core. Mm. Um, and then the interview sa- interviewer says, it's quite amazing to see them dance that hard while keeping their trunk area so consistently stable. Uh, the I'm trunk. Pretty, yeah, I, so I'm trying to figure out, I, I'm assuming that means core. I put the kanji in our chat mm. and Njisho says it's trunk. Well, I, but I, well, I mean, uh, yeah, that that also can be referred to as your core is your trunk. Okay, I had not heard that. So, oh, really? Okay, I, yeah. I was, it, because the the slang in the West, trunk means butt. Oh, really? Not, well, first, I guess my first thought was butt, and I was like, that can't no, be right. No, 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 no. <laughs> the trunk of your body. No, the trunk like of your body is basically your. It's, it's a tree. Yeah. So you're looking from like your shoulders down to your waist. Essentially, is like the trunk. Yeah, right. Of yeah, your body, right. your frame. Yeah. I, exactly. I got your that, torso. I got that eventually, but that is not where my brain went first, and I got confused. <laughs> oh my! Oh my! Yeah. No. I, uh, 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 yeah, I, I would have actually found uh, I found trunk closer, like more clear than core would have been because I don't have any. I think of core as sort of like internal muscles and stuff, and not. Well, I mean it, that's what they mean when they when like a lot of people say core, they mean more around in your stomach area, your right. muscles, you know, your your six pack or whatever. That is more your core, whereas your trunk is more based on your 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 outer body, you know, from like I said, your shoulders down to your like hips or waist or somewhere down in that area. So yeah. Dance stuff. But so I <laughs> <laughs> I used to be I used to be in color guard, so and my mother was the was the choreographer for the the color guard at my high school. So, uh, or flag corps, if you're familiar with that terminology, the, the girls who twirl the flags and while the marching man's doing their thing. Um, but, uh, so I, I know a little bit about that, but a lot of those terminologies were thrown about during that time period. So <laughs> it's the only reason I didn't really know anything about that. I, I think I understood eventually what, what, uh, you know, was being, suggested there which is that they're they're able to stabilize their you know move their limbs while staying stable uh in space right <laughs> basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i i understood well, what yeah. it meant but that was not okay. where my head went first <laughs> so i was like okay is this right i want to ask <laughs> i want to ask how they came up with I, trunk so i asked him what what he meant by what the meant by trunk and put the kanji in chat and things like that and he says, yes, core. Uh, his note was, he thought core was clearer, um, but then he has some athletic and dance background, and trunk is used in that context. So if anybody else was confused by that language, th- that that's the answer, because I'd, I'd never heard that referred to as the trunk of the body before. Um, I'd always heard it just as core or upper body as separately. I didn't realize that there was actually vocab to... Mm-hmm refer to your entire torso's muscular strength why not torso <laughs> that seems like a perfectly good word also starts with a t yeah well right? uh, eh, uh, anyways that's all i had to say about the yeah. Mickey Joe's interview. <laughs> the trunk okay so how about how about uh I guess we could make this the PMC Volume 18 episode um, and do the Sue and Moa uh, 10 video selection. And then 
maybe we can leave Hedelbaum and Young Guitar for the next one. No, this is good. This is good. Oh, and so actually, we, you know, as as we said at the outset, we were um, originally planning this to be an episode about all the all the great stuff from Fox Day, and next time is going to actually be all the great stuff from episode from Budokan Ten. Budokan. So, um, mm-hmm. so we'll probably resume this after um, after that. So the episode after that, which would or nothing happens, they subvert our expectations completely, and we need content again, and we come back to these interviews. That's right. That's right. That's okay. <laughs> so that's our plan. Um, I'll, we, we'll, this plan may get reiterated again, or everything may get reordered, or who knows. But we still have yet to do the uh, the last one in PMC, which we might as well do while we're here. Yes. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is the uh, the the ten video selections um, interview with Sue Metal and Moa Metal, and this so this was um uh, so same basic framework. It's it's uh selection of of 10 video moments not the same that we had uh from ago, but but you know still 10 moments uh as described by videos and just sort of their comments on them are you kevin do you, did you want to do that or do you want yeah uh, you... yeah i can drive okay. sure beep beep <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> i'm driving so oh okay honk the horn got it <laughs> come on paul <laughs> keep up <laughs> Keep up, keep up, Paul. Come on. <laughs> vroom, vroom. This one actually wasn't this. Uh, oh, this was today. Oh, breaking news. <laughs> this uh, this interview yes. was posted today. So it was. Good job, mm-hmm. us. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> also, good job, Funny Tops. <laughs> but yes. Um. So this is again. In the, like Paul mentioned, the same format as the Mikiko interview we just went through. They used music videos to kind of uh, drive reflection and remembrance and get some information and memories about, you know, their time filming these videos and kind of growing up and things like that. Um, they talk about Doki Doki Morning. Um, they ask, you know, this was such a long time ago. Do you remember? Um, and I guess this video made quite an impression because both of them both pretty clearly remember and have vivid memories of making this video. And they both kind of allude to the things we've already mentioned, like uh, having to adapt their dance, um, the flower getting knocked over, um, how they would play on the bed in the background, kind of between takes. <laughs> um, like from Mikiko's interview, how they would just come up with dance moves and Mikiko be like, Oh, that's really cute. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think is kind of interesting. I didn't realize this. Um, they use Ine after Doki Doki mm-hmm. morning to frame the interview. Um, and of course there's, there's extras in the video and they go into a rap section and you know, all that kind of stuff. What I thought was kind of cool was they were actually performing the song in the venue for the extras who had no idea what they were watching, <laughs> who baby metal was, um, anything like that. And Moa actually talks about how as they continued to perform the song and do takes, the crowd started to kind of get into it more and more and how it became more like doing a normal live performance. Yeah. I, I think that that's pretty cool. And yeah, just because you know, here, here's a group of people who are just extras, like here, here's your wardrobe, go pretend like you're at a concert and dance and bop. But by the end of it, they were, you know, they were starting to really kind of get into it and enjoy it. And so much so that Moa got the feeling that, they were actually doing this out alive, mm-hmm. um, which I think kind of speaks volume about the appeal and kind of 
almost we've talked about this before the progression of how people become fans of this group where they're kind of like mm-hmm. oh whatever this you know this is kind of this is a thing it exists i don't know what to think of this but kind of the more you look into it the more and the more you look into it the more kind of on board you start to get in a lot mm-hmm. of the cases and i think that's kind of reflective of what she mentioned here with this crowd and it's like when you go to the first your first show of theirs then you then it kind of hits you it's like ah okay mm-hmm. I'm in the rabbit hole now, or foxhole, mm-hmm. if we want to go that way. Mo <laughs> <laughs> um, goes on to mention too. You know, there's there's that part in the video um, where they kind of do a 360 stage, and she's laughing because um, she thinks that that might have had some inspiration yep. for the Budokan stage. <laughs> Probably because of this that the Budokan stage was born later. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's, there's a fun translation note here too. Um, Mo, Mo went on to say that, you know, there was a costume change in the video and they shot the rap part first in the morning. And she said it was fun to get the day started with this kind of thing. Generally speaking, we're good at starting at early hours. And the translation note here is, um, in earlier interviews, Moa has mentioned that she's not a morning person and tends to be pretty grumpy <laughs> after she wakes up, which is kind of a funny contradiction. Yeah, I was noticing that. I mean, we'll get to that, you know, two episodes from now, but, uh, the, you know, Moa's not super consistent. Uh, you know, there's uh, pay attention when you read to these yeah. uh, read these other interviews. But uh, like whether she's uh, someone who worries a lot or not, you will find that all possible answers mm-hmm. to that question are represented in her answers. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the themes of you know when they're talking about these earlier videos like Doki Doki Morning um, and Headbanger is they're really reflective on how inexperienced and how much they knew nothing about anything when they were kind of mm-hmm. doing this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of personified by Sue when she mentions while filming Headbanger that she didn't really know how to act and she was expected to act for the first time, you know, cause it's, it's one of their only, the only music video, I guess maybe you got make it's an A where there's kind of a story, a music video in the sense that, it's kind of a traditional music video that you would have seen on like MTV in the nineties or something like that, where it has right, a story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I thought it was funny. She, she doesn't, she didn't know how to do that at all. She said, um, and they would tell her just act things out. And she was like, well, how do I do that? I don't know how to do that. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, here's the thing that holds your neck in place. Now bang your neck around. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the thing is keeping me from doing that. What do you, what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah she didn't had no idea how to headbang with a neck brace on and she would laugh because you know a neck break is supposed to keep your neck from moving so how do you headbang with a neck brace <laughs> how am i supposed to do this i don't understand oh well i'll just make it up also this was a she said that was sort of before the time that she knew how to pace herself so she just went all out for, on everything even when she was just like a, a fuzzy thing in the background Right. This is one of the things yeah, we talked about this in the, the first interview we talked about um, how that was one of the things they learned. And now we could actually refer to it. This is where she mentions it, you know, and they mentioned before that they didn't know how to pace themselves uh, in their earlier years. So they would just go 100 percent on every take. And I just can't imagine even as a kid <laughs> doing yeah. that for however many takes they needed to do. Right. <laughs> uh, being a little kid with all that energy. Holy smokes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, their memory or Sue's biggest memory from the uh, IDZ shoot was just that it was at an actual cave and she got to see a flying V for the first time um, and she was excited that they got to give those <laughs> away to fans 
mm-hmm. um, when they released the single. Does anybody know anybody who got one of those? Yeah, I wonder. I was wondering that too when I read that. I was like, I had no idea they even did yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, I knew they. Like, I, I knew that, who would. I knew they gave those away, but I've never seen one or heard of one in the wild. I've seen a photo of one. Um, it's on a stand, uh, like it's sort of mounted, um, mm. and yeah, it's the, there's somebody there's somebody who is known who has one. I think in the U.S. even known to somebody but not me but i've i've seen sort like of photo of the of the display and i've seen it i think actually to be honest i think i've seen um like i've seen a photo on an auction site so they you know they, they do exist but i think they are small in number i mean like the, however many there were in the video it's probably it's like five yeah. or something i think there like. was five yeah. yeah rarer than a sue edition 10 baby metal album yeah <laughs> <laughs> right he also said that uh, it was actually a little bit hard to dance around because, like, you know, at caves turn out uh, to have actual stones around. <laughs> right. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> um, the interview continues on with uh, Moa talking about uh, Legend IDZ doing those lives. And we referred to this earlier when we were um, talking about the European tour and having how they had to adapt to playing with the uh, Western commies. Um, this is what I was referring to. Um, you know, this was the first time they played with a live commie band. Um, and that's one of the things she remembers most from that performance, uh, how shocking it was um, to work with that for the first time. Uh, she mentions mm-hmm. how she, when she watches the video, she can remember that sense of astonishment um, and how they had to rehearse over and over and over. Yeah. And I think so. Um, I guess it wasn't actually in this interview, but in some other, you know, reference to this, uh, this is, this is basically the time when they started wearing the in-ear monitors too. Um, mm. you know, that, mm-hmm. that, uh, that of course kind of goes along with having a band. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if we're going to let these things blend together, I think it's totally hilarious that later on we discover that, uh, like <laughs> Ma just listens to music and her like you know she just goes around her day with her professional in-ear <laughs> monitors yeah. just listening to her like whatever the music <laughs> yeah dang yeah. hooked up to her phone because <laughs> it's cool <laughs> I mean you can you can actually uh there's a fan that I know that actually got some custom IEM headset you know in your monitors done for her and that's well she uses it for is just to listen to music on general uh and they were really cute they were black and red uh, baby metal but they sound good <laughs> ims are a good option yeah. if you want to kind of invest mm-hmm. in low profile audio mm-hmm. apparatus yep. for your ear yeah sue said <laughs> that they uh they drown out the sound of the plane quite well <laughs> So yes. anyway, that's all yeah. in a different interview. We'll hear more about that later. Also, right. you'll hear about you'll hear later about how Ma can't remember anything except the most recent thing she did. <laughs> right. <laughs> except for all the things she recalls yeah. while talking about these early videos in these interviews. <laughs> um so that she talks about uh Megitsune and how they got to shoot in a sacred shrine. Um that left a strong impression on her. Um what I thought was funny is, you know, she goes on to say that she actually falls in the music video. And this is something I didn't know. Um, if you go watch the Megatsune <laughs> video at 2.30, it looks like she kind of just 
ducks in front of the camera and it looks totally intentional like it was part of the shot but no yeah. she slipped and they used the take <laughs> in the music video at 2 30 and i thought that That's was hysterical awesome yeah <laughs> and pretty much almost ever since they cool. shot this people have you know whenever anybody has asked them about this ma will tell them that she tore her costume because she danced so hard um and in fact actually they um uh yes. this time it was even uh elaborated on a little bit that uh, you know the the it kept you know they resewed it and it kept getting undone and eventually they just sort of you know went with it <laughs> however but uh mm-hmm. she really likes mm-hmm. that story i mean like it, that has been mentioned in like every third interview <laughs> since you know 10 years ago or whenever the video was yeah. <laughs> but it actually kind of reminds me a little bit mm-hmm. the, of mm-hmm. you know like I almost kind of think maybe she's just doing this on purpose, <laughs> particularly after you know breaking it because it was resewn. Because uh, what makes me think about that is if you, um, for those of you who know like the the SG history as well, at the end of their own graduation, uh, there there was a mini patty me- uh, medley, right? That was basically just a, all the mini patty songs um, that uh, played together. But um, basically, at the end of the uh, uh, medley, it, there's a choreo that in, involves like you know sort of like jerking your head back and forth and and uh in the at, by the end of it mom managed to dislodge her hat and it was like you know just hanging down <laughs> uh but um but but that seemed oh, intentional yes. to me <laughs> it seemed like she was just doing everything she could to t- make that hat <laughs> dislodge itself <laughs> so so i so i just kind of wonder if maybe this is just a long-standing oh thing she just tries to break the costume Tries to break the costume. Well, it always seems. I was going to say, there's been a few times in, in the last tour where her arm bracelet, which is I think connected by just snaps, um, there's been a few times where those things have just flown off. And if you're like really familiar, if especially if you're in a professional setting, those snaps really hold in. And for her to be dancing so hard that those things are falling off. <laughs> is a testament i think because <laughs> there's been multitude of times i've seen that thing fall off <laughs> yeah no it's true there was a you know i mean this is a you know again about back to the, the people doing fan cams of every single performance even though they're all the same you know but that's one of the things that differentiated them people would look and see oh again this one and this one you know she lost her, her arm arm piece you know at, mm-hmm. at this point in the show <laughs> yeah and it's like, oh, hey, she picked it up. Oh, hey, it's back on again. Oh, it's off again. <laughs> oh, she picked it up and tossed it off the stage. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Actually, there was a point, I think, where it was was uh, like there was a, it was a, a tripping risk or whatever. So it was it was swiftly mm-hmm. you know removed in a very professional but unobtrusive way. Well, I think it was what was it? Um, it was karate and she fell down. And it just so happened to be in arm reach. So you could see her actually grabbing it and then tossing it off the yeah. side of the stage gracefully. Like she like adjusts herself to make it look like she's flipping <laughs> over when she's really throwing it backwards. She's, she's definitely good. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> she's very professional yeah. about it. I think, didn't, she, didn't she also like soccer kick a cup off the stage at one point <laughs> as well? Yes. <laughs> she's gotten very good at... Uh... Grabbing microphones, flinging things off the stage, (laughs) adapting to the moment. Yeah, which I think is something else they mentioned in another interview, too, where they've kind of had to learn to 
adapt to what's ever going on at the time. Mm-hmm. Speaking of karate, uh, Mohamed goes on to describe the process of shooting that. Um, she mentions that, you know, it was kind of the first time they had taken great care and doing a lot of rehearsals to make sure the dance was perfect. Um, because she says, you know, that there's nowhere to hide while they were filming that. So they had to make sure it was as precise and perfect as humanly possible, um, which I think is reflect reflective in the final product. Um, mm-hmm. What I really want to call out from this particular section of the interview is, um, you know, in, in the video, she catches a fly in her hands and her fingers. Um, and there's a translation note that uh, interviewer actually mentions chopsticks, but it's hands. Um, and ever since then, she says, uh, I've become the one who grabs flies. And when insects appear in the dressing room while we're touring, they always say, Moa Metal, here's your time to shine. <laughs> and I'm in charge of catching them. It's became my job ever yeah. since. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. I find that hilarious. Yeah. How that's stu- adorable. Of all of that, that stuck with her over the years. She's the, mm-hmm. the insect catcher in the dressing room. <laughs> I think it was kind of funny that the, the interviewer said that uh, the, the interviewer's perception of this was that uh, her catching the fly was treated as like a punchline, like some sort of joke in some way. I didn't mm. see that. I didn't really see that at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really see that at all like either. Th- yeah, there is. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not actually um, well familiar with this, but there is a like a, some super famous you know scene in a movie you know the, where where someone catches the fly with the chopsticks, you know, so surely that is what the interviewer had in mind when, and in fact, that's presumably what is being referenced in the video as well. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I, I was going to say, and I can't think of what it is off the top of my head, but I know yeah. what you're talking about. But so, you know, I think um, it doesn't seem like a joke, you know, it seems like it's the same sort of thing. It's, it's a, uh, it's sort of uh, mm-hmm. calm, calm, uh, centering and, achieving right <laughs> have you never seen the karate kid yeah but but surely that is also a reference to whatever it is i'm <laughs> talking about right i mean like it's it is in the karate kid but um but that is presumably you know it's kurosawa or something like that before that i mean i suppose it could be but jackie chan was also in the remake of karate kid and he catches a fly uh, with the chopsticks yeah I, well okay so we should so. we should maybe look that up but I, but i'm i'm sure that is like that is a <laughs> like an old thing <laughs> I'm sure it's a reference. Yeah, I'm sure it's a reference. Yeah. Um, she's an old soul, but right. I don't know if she's that old. If she mentions mm-hmm. Jackie Chan, I'm just I'm going to assume she probably watched the karate, the recent Karate Kid with uh, Will Smith's kid because Jackie Chan's in that one. Yeah, yeah, she did say. So she said before the filming of the of this music video, you know, she was watching Jackie Chan movies and, and thinking to herself, "What the heck am I doing?" Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> But wait, okay, so what? what is this? This is 2016? About? Is mm-hmm. that it? Yeah. It would have been Sometimes the very was beginning that, was that of 2016, yeah. yeah. Presumably before that. that uh, I, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, yes, because Will maybe? Smith's kid was like 12 or something at the time, and he's an adult okay. now, I think, so. Yeah. All these time, all, all these time scales don't quite match up to me. So I don't, you know, I think of that as being sort of recent. But 2010, the remake came cool. out in 2010. <laughs> so it is possible. Yeah. So maybe that because that actually did, um, uh, in a sense, that did make a lot of sense to me. Like I wasn't quite sure why she was watching Jackie Chan movies, but maybe that in fact is exactly it. 
I mean, my first thought when you when somebody asks me, you know, what's the thing with chopsticks and flies? I'm always going to think Karate Kid just because I'm American and right. I remember that growing up. I'm I'm sure you're right. I'm sure that is a deeper reference to like a Kurosawa film or you know Hong Kong martial mm-hmm. arts or some other martial arts film from you know the mid 20th century that is very famous. But yeah, Karate Kid's always where that's going to go for me. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen that movie many times, but uh, by now, the l- most recent time was so long ago, I don't remember it very well. I mean, I had to ask because you'd never heard of Lincoln Park when we talked about that a few episodes ago. So, <laughs> Okay, then I guess it's my time to admit to the fact uh-huh. that I've not actually ever watched Karate Kid, so there I we mean, go. At, now you can be disappointed in me, I mean, Kevin. At, at, <laughs> at the risk of being gender discriminating, it's kind of a boys movie. It was something. It was something I would expect little boys to watch more than little girls when it came out. <laughs> I've been called out. I've been so called out. So I think that's out. okay. <laughs> well, I I do like I do enjoy action movies a lot more though. I'm not really into the whole romance thing, but uh, so for me not to have seen that, uh, yeah, that's actually kind of on on me. But I don't know. Funny toss mentions he finds it more likely that it was a reference to an Asian martial arts <laughs> movie rather than the Karate Kid. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he, he agrees. I, and I'm sure that's right. Um, but I, I, I'm hard pressed. I've seen a lot of Jackie Chan movies. I'm hard pressed to think of a Jackie Chan movie where he catches a fly with chopsticks that isn't that Karate Kid movie. But yeah, the, the thing in the interview that refers to Jackie Chan, I think that may well may well be this. Um, but the you know the inspiration for the whoever set up the idea in the video uh, presumably wasn't thinking of that. Um, I feel like I'm pretty sure I've seen this. I, I think like this this scene, but I'm I'm also mixing it up a little bit with the scene um, that corresponds to like Sue's Sue's spoken line in Megitsune as well, because that that also is a direct lift out of a movie. Mm. We can we can we can kind of wrap up uh, the rest of this one. So Sue goes on and starts talking about Starlight. Ah, yes, right. Um, and that video, um, she refers to it as trilogy of lights here i think right mm-hmm. yeah she she made m- mention of it yeah um which i think is interesting um it didn't start this way but it kind of evolved into her singing on the loss of yui metal to the group well i think i think she said that um her her interpretation like it, the, the song itself was not written necessarily about that but right. um but her her interpretation at the beginning was that is that what you like i'm not sure i know what you mean by by it didn't start that way because it like i think for her interpretation it started that way yeah right and funny toss uh mentions uh trilogy lights was added by the interviewer as far as he can tell uh not something sue said yeah it ended up being that i guess she was just part of the just the ending group shot which kind of was the indicator of the new new duo essentially because we saw both sue and lois side profile faces in the in the cloak in the red cloaks which is really cool yeah but what uh so sue and this said you know well actually i appeared in the, at the very end of the video but she wasn't referring to the eyes she was referring to the the fact that she was one of those cloaked peoples the people in cloaks mm-hmm. right um, i just made an assumption that she was one of the <laughs> she was one of those five one of those people up there yeah but the, see now I'm already forgetting like which which video it was that ended with like you know just one second shot of each of their eyes. 
It was it was Starlight. Okay. Yeah, because that was the indicator of the new duo. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so that that went in many uh, not very well organized circles, but yes, right. <laughs> I think it was interesting that that Sue uh, was you know sort of initially like we've heard her say this before I think but um you know that her interpretation of Starlight sort of changed from one of kind of like loneliness to to support. So the uh, the interview kind of wraps up talking about the forum and Legend Metal Galaxy. Um, nothing really we haven't heard here from them before in past interviews um, from the fo- from the forum. You know Moa mentions having to continuously rehearse da da dance throughout the tour to get ready to premiere that song um that she was really happy that they were able to do a arena show in the u.s and that you know everybody came out to support them um at a venue she had been familiar with and was proud to perform in um also mentioned that it was the first time they did shine with three people and they had to you know continuously rehearse that leading up to that show um, in the tour, you know, you just kind of get a sense that, you know, she's very proud of being able to perform at the forum, um, and having the tour kind of culminate with that performance. I think this was there that, that she mentioned that she'd actually seen that, that, that they'd seen it, uh, show, I think actually they said shows, but, um, uh, on the forum stage and that it was interesting to be there. Well, they performed there. Well, they performed. They performed yeah, they, at the forum. Yeah, yeah. With, they uh, actually that was the, the show tour. that I was able to go to. Yeah, they were with Corn and Stone Sour mm-hmm. and somebody else. Oh my God, who was the other person? Uh, I can't remember. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, fair enough. Those are the only two <laughs> worth mentioning. But uh, I think it was the like the yeah, island Yellow Wolf, and yeah. Yellow Wolf. There we go. Uh, yeah, so the thing is, I had attended um, live shows at this venue before, so I was really happy to be able to stand up on the same stage. So it sounded like they, because I think I, th- I thought they actually went to a show and they were scouting the locations or whatever. Um, I, now that you mentioned that, that you might be right, actually. Be. I recall that being said at some yeah. point, too. Right. There was that photo of them at the hotel in L.A., before the forum about a year before the forum um so it's possible they went and actually saw a concert there yeah, that's that, that was what i was that's what i was thinking they meant there and actually they said uh something very similar about the budokan stage mm. someone said this in one of these interviews i mm-hmm. don't think maybe it was this one but it was moa but yeah so having seen shows there it was very cool to actually be on that stage uh so this uh this interview wraps up with sue talking about legend metal galaxy um Again, nothing really we haven't heard from them before on this performance. You know, they were shocked by the huge screen. You know, yeah. they felt like backup dancers to Joachim Broden during <laughs> Homage and I. Um, because he <laughs> was literally like 130 feet tall. Yeah. Um, on he the screen. He was pretty freaking huge. Or something huge. outrageous. <laughs> yeah, I forget what it is. Like, uh, how did this go? It was something like, sort of like, you know, um, well, everybody was commenting on on that. And Sue's was like, well, you know what? We did hard stuff, too. <laughs> Yeah. It's like we were just his backup dancers to that point. Everyone was paying attention to him. Yeah, this is this is right. It was a, like because the let's see. Um I was jealous of Joachim because the fans who attended day one kept talking about him and because the choreography is quite difficult. I was like, Well, hey, wait a minute, I worked really hard too. 
<laughs> compared to being in in the um which Kevin attests to um being in in the crowd depending on where you were at or at least where I was at cuz I was in the second half of the of the mess or yeah and uh I mean the girls were very tiny compared to that huge screen so mm-hmm. like knowing the fact that that was some new song that was being you know, released. This is the first time they're performing it. I really wanted to watch and see what they were doing, but they weren't obviously posting anything up on the screen because, you know, that has a backup video of Joaquim on there or however you say his name. I think that's how you say his name. But, um, so you really kind of had to like squint to see what in the world they were doing. You could see they were dancing something really super cute, but they were just so tiny. Uh, on that stage versus yeah. that screen. So <laughs> I, I could see the frustration in, in that regard. It's just, you know, the, all the focus was, I mean, mm-hmm. you kind of had to focus on the screen because that's what you could visually see. Um, but then bringing, then bringing mm-hmm. it on the European tour was really nice. I didn't get to go any on that, but um, seeing the fan cam videos as we've brought up in before, you know, uh, seeing it up close and personal, it does, you know, it is a very intricate dance. <laughs> I can see why someone would be frustrated on that, too. Yeah, because so. we were going to see it in the Budokan, you know, whatever they release from the Budokan shows, though, too. So that's, I think that's going to be better because because they will be much more visible. The screen is much more, like, reasonably sized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that really kind of takes us to the end of this interview. Um, Sue does talk about, you know, she thought it was cool and she was also surprised that mm-hmm. they had different set lists for day one and day two and mm-hmm. kind of different themes. Um, she was kind of shocked by day two because um, she thought she, you know, day one was already pretty awesome. And then the second day comes around, she was like, well, this is pretty amazing you know she says and i quote you know crank the metal up even further and i thought whoa this is a heavy metal concert right um and she says this is like an out-of-body experience and she feels like they had really done something amazing freaking fantastic it it definitely blew day one out of the water i think (laughs) or at least in my opinion i think it blew blew it especially with (laughs) idz when they performed that that was the highlight and we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've heard all the stories on that one. <laughs> one thing that we that we zipped past um, in the forum that I that I wanted to mention was that um, Moa said, uh, you know, that, so they were talking about um, Dada Dance was was premiered right at the forum, and but uh, and they only only about a week before they left mm-hmm. for the uh, U.S. tour, you know, they sort of added that to the plan, I guess, I, apparently, and then they practiced it constantly while they were on the tour. Uh, had said, you know, we'd, we'd been practicing this in the venues as they were going along, so it didn't really feel like the forum was the first time. And the interviewer says, it's quite different from the studio version, isn't it? And uh, Moa Metal says, yes, it's very different. We have mirrors in the studio <laughs> and all this stuff. And it goes on to like uh, to explain how it's, how it's different from like working in a dance studio, I guess, <laughs> even though I think almost certainly the interviewer meant that the recorded mm-hmm. version on the CD was different from what they mm-hmm. played. <laughs> I just thought that was a kind of an amusing kind of misunderstanding. Right. So that takes us to the end of this interview. Mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty neat. I enjoyed reading it. Yeah, these are all great. Mm -hmm. Don't take these episodes as a, 
as an excuse not to go read them. Truth. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, this, there's many things that we would like to talk about, and yet uh, it still seems like when we get to the end and, you know, we've hit the two-hour mark, it still winds up like, you know, we have only said about half the things right. that I was thinking about. Yeah. So, and we actually only got to about, like, whatever, 40% of the interviews. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And please go support the translators doing the the hard work to bring Indeed, us this content. Yes, buy them, please buy them coffee pizza. Buy them coffee pizza. <laughs> coffee flavored pizza. <laughs> we'll definitely yep. put the the link to uh, Funny Toss's site in our show notes. Mm-hmm. Okay, our plan is to continue this uh, in a future episode. Probably not next time because next time is going to be uh, two weeks from Budokan. Yeah, our recording time and the Budokan uh, nine and ten shows will have concluded. We expect that. What's going to happen after Budokan 10 is what we thought was going to happen three days ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. um, but fortunately it's not also simultaneously a joke day. So we won't, we won't release a new fake episode. <laughs> Only one of those per year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, come back and, uh, well, read the, read the ones we talked about, then read the ones we're going to talk about, and then read all the ones that are going to be translated between now and when we record again. <laughs> yes. And, um, yes. And we'll pick that up then. All right. Thanks everybody for hanging out in the, uh, in the chat room and, and feeding us information where we lost it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So. And I guess then that's it for this episode. You can join us on the Baby Metal Podcast Discord server to continue the conversation. Rating the podcast on whatever platform you listen on will help people find it, so please do that. We'll be back here in about two weeks. We hope you'll join us then. And until then, see you.